I know I have a pressing message that I have to share with you, but first I want to thank the veterans here from the French and Indian War for the job that you did in uh, keeping us from having to be turned into a French uh, country. Appreciate that service and uh, appreciate those of you who responded to the alarm from Lexington and Concord and uh, that went up there and served. And, uh, you know, we inflicted a lot of casualties on the British up there. Do you realize that we've inflicted over 1,000 casualties on the Crown forces that day thanks to your help and others from Connecticut? What a difference it made. Going back to the French and Indian War, some of you may, he mentioned my wife's name was Rebecca, didn't mention her maiden name, Fitch, as in Governor Thomas Fitch. And when you brave Connecticut men responded to the French and Indian War, many of you didn't have uniforms. And it was Thomas Fitch's wife who came up with a clever idea so you could identify each other when you got to Albany. You remember what she said? She said, all of us have chickens. So why don't we put a feather in our cap? So you did that. You put the feather in the cap, and then there was that British journalist that was there and decided to make fun of you. And after all, you know if you're from Connecticut, you're a Yankee, a Connecticut Yankee. That's where it came. Now, these people in New York stole the name, but it was the Connecticut Yankees. And this, this journalist didn't think too much of us, so he called us doodles. And um, he didn't like our horses, he called them ponies. And he thought, we thought we looked really good. Of course, we usually do look pretty good, you know. But he thought we thought we looked pretty good, so um, that just made us a whole bunch of uh, dandies there. But so he wrote the words, Yankee Doodle came to town riding on a pony. Stuck a feather in his cap, that's you Connecticut guys, and called it macaroni, that meant posh. Well... When General Gage and his men decided to start a war by invading Boston and then attacking Lexington and Concord, I don't know how you call it a revolution when we were attacked, we were just defending our home, as they marched to Lexington, do you know what those crown forces were singing? Yankee Doodle. Yankee Doodle came to town riding on a pony. Well, we heard him singing that. We decided to teach him a lesson. I think some of you helped on the way home. Decided to teach him a lesson and give him some good old shot from our muskets as we drove him back to Boston where they belonged. And then we started to sing Yankee Doodle came to town riding on a pony, stuck a feather in his hat and called it macaroni. They never sang it again after that. We did. And on our way here today, we were hoping to be here sooner, but General Gold Silic Silliman, commander of the Western Connecticut Militia, he saw in the morning 2,000 Crown troops landing off of Campo Beach in Norwalk. Some people call it Westport now. He saw those soldiers landing, and so he sent out the alarm. I see some of you came with your fire locks today. That's good. Oh, you've got yours. He's even got bayonet and says, you are ready. We're looking for men right now to respond. That's what took us a long time to get here. They're attacking Danbury. And we had to go through Danbury to get here. So instead, we went through back roads and came through Litchfield, which you mentioned a little while ago. 
And we came here to try to get you to come with us and to drive the crown forces back into the sea. That's where they belong, right? Yeah, I mean, we, that's what we're here for. We're here for freedom. You know what it says in the Bible? By the way, this is my King James Bible. It's not a King George Bible. It's a King James Bible. And I did what any good, any good rebel would do, because you know that's what they call us, rebels. And I want to tell you, I'm glad I'm not a patriot. Did you know that General Howe wrote a letter lamenting the fact that General Washington wasn't a patriot? Because you know, a patriot means loyal to their country. And during this war, England is still the country over there. We're forming a new country. They call us rebels. I'm proud to be called a rebel. And then like any good rebel, rebelling against not only the crown, but they're trying to shove the Church of England down our throats by appointing that bishop for New England. None of us were going to have that. This was good to see all the Baptists and Congregationalists and Catholics and Jews join together and say, not here. You know what we did? We cut the Apocrypha right out of our King James Bible. You say, what? It was in there? Yeah, it was. We took it out. Because we're using this. And it says in my Bible here in Proverbs that righteousness exalteth a nation, but sin is what? It's a reproach to any people. And we are tired of supporting the sinful lifestyle of those people back in England. All their attitudes, like you spoke about. You know, their arrogance that they have. Trying to pass tax after tax upon us and shove it down our throats. We're not putting up with that. No. You know, it's interesting in the Bible, God established three institutions. He gave authority to three institutions. The very first one was the family in the Garden of Eden. He made Adam and Eve. By the way, he didn't make Adam and Steve. He made Adam and Eve and he established the family. And he said, for this cause shall a man leave his father and mother, cleave unto his wife. Family is really important to us. And then God established government, and then God established the church. The problem is sometimes government doesn't listen to God. It doesn't listen to God. You know, the purpose of government is not to tax people. In fact, in the book of Romans, it said that we're to pray for our leaders because the rulers are to be a terror to evildoer, not a terror to us. They turned the tables around. They misunderstood it. You see, the only role of government, according to the Bible, is to protect its citizens and punish the evildoer. That's where the military came in. You are a God-given, established arm of government that God established, and we all say thank you to you. Let's give them a hand. Thank you to each one of these veterans. And we thank you for placing your life in harm's way. One of the great benefits of knowing the Lord Jesus Christ, I noticed in his opening prayer there, Pastor Schott talked about the relationship with Jesus Christ that he wants us to have. We know that if one of the bullets from one of those, one of those crown forces guns hits us, and we were to pass away, that we will not die. For Jesus said, he that liveth and believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. Right? And we know that on Easter morning, when they went to the tomb, thinking that they'd killed Jesus, the religious leaders did him in, the political leaders of their day did him in, when they put him in the tomb, and they came there three days later, you know what they found? 
they found the stone had been rolled away. You know why the stone was rolled away? Not to let him out, but to let us in. To let us in and to see an empty tomb that we have a Savior who's risen. And we know that all of our comrades that place their trust in the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior, though a bullet may take their lives, though they may have fallen on the beaches of Normandy, though they may have fallen in the Bolge, though they may have been on the Arizona, no matter where they had served, whether it was in Kuwait, Afghanistan, Italy, North Africa, Tripoli, wherever it was, that those people who placed their trust in Christ, when that bullet hit and the enemy thought they were rejoicing, that soldier heard these words. Come home, my good and faithful servant. And though they closed their eyes, and you may have held them next to you, Jesus reached out his arms to welcome them into a home where there's no more tears, no more sorrow, no more crying, no more pain. Because of what he did for us on the cross and what he offers to all of us, to any of you. He said, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You know some people who got foxhole Christianity, right? They may have never gone to church in their life, but all of a sudden when the bullets started flying and stuff, maybe you were one of those people. Maybe you made that promise to God. Have you followed through on it? Because that's the most important thing in the world. You may not die in a battlefield, but one day all of us are going to close our eyes that one final time. Wouldn't it be nice as you close your eyes to hear the words, well done, thou good and faithful servant. We appreciate the job that each one of you have done. And as this revolution continues, I want to tell you, I have a, I have a force, I have a, a sight looking back to tell you what's going to happen. I know we're going to win. I know that we're going to win. I know we're going to face some hard times. But thanks to some of the people in this battle for Ridgefield, we lost David Wooster, one of our faithful generals. He gave his life to slow down the British advance on Ridgefield. And we almost lost Ridgefield were it not for that general by the name of Benedict Arnold, who rode bravely and stood and held back the forces I hope he stays true to the cause. Some people don't. But the purpose of this revolution was for us to have an independence for liberty. Do you know King George forbade the printing of any Bibles in America? No Bibles were allowed to be printed. It was against the law. They restricted the freedom of religion. Jews were not allowed to vote in any one of the 13 colonies. Catholics were not allowed to hold mass in New York State, for example, and any of the New England colonies. The Bible said, righteousness exalteth a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. Of the 250 founding fathers, 225 of them were either ministers or attended seminary. People are trying to rewrite history and tell us bad things about some of our founding fathers, some of the lies about Alexander Hamilton, lies about our president, our general, George Washington. There's revisionists out there trying to make people forget what people did, forget maybe what you did. And we are never going to forget. 
we are never going to forget. We are never going to forget. God wants to give you the strength. God wants to help us to continue whatever adversary or whatever foe reaches us. Honor him in your families. Honor him in the churches. Go to a church where they teach the Bible. Today they're throwing this out. They're throwing out history. They won't even stand for the Pledge of Allegiance in churches today. They shouldn't even be called a church. They're not even praying. They're not bowing their heads. We, I went to an, um, a, a recent affair where we were honoring some veterans, and we took off our hat to sing, sing the national anthem, and one of the men just stood there with his hat on, wouldn't take it off, wouldn't honor them, and he's a proudly represents a church in our area. That's wrong. Thank God for a church like Harvest Baptist Church here. You know, thank God for churches like that. My church is the oldest Baptist church in New York State. It was started from Baptists from over in um, from Rhode Island who came through Connecticut, started churches there. We ordained a fellow by the name of John Gano. John Gano, uh, Washington calls him the fighting preacher. Him and Chaim Solomon from the first synagogue in New York have both helped our revolution. We've stood together because the God that I worship is the God of Abraham, of Isaac, and of Jacob. And Jesus, it was funny, someone told me that um, they said, well, you know, Jesus, um, he wasn't Jewish, he was Catholic. <laughs> Jesus was Jewish. And he came down here to be the savior for all mankind. And America has been a light, starting at that revolution. All of a sudden, the world began to look at us and say, will it succeed? Will it succeed? One of the Germans said, this is nothing more than an Irish Presbyterian revolution. Now, back then, Presbyterians preached the Bible. They knew we had all these preachers preaching the word of God, and the English didn't like it. I'm so thankful that we stand for God and country, aren't you? And I'm thankful for each one of these veterans who was willing to put their life on the line and leave with people praying for them. And I know in this church that these people pray for you. I'm glad to see there's a church where they're honored to have veterans, and I am honored. I challenge all of you who have not served that when you see anyone with a hat on that says veteran on it, that you walk up to them and say thank you for your service. We had a service like this when I was pastoring a church in New Hampshire. And I asked all the veterans to stand. And one of the men stood up and we asked what war they served in. And he said, World War I. And he said, no one has ever said thank you before. As tears rolled down his cheeks. He said, no one has ever said thank you like this. I want you to know something that this church and us and we all say. Thank you.